Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me is a guy who knows a whole lot about tech stuff. That would be senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Throughout human history, we have been dependent on machines to survive. Fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, so today's topic is an interesting topic, actually. Yes, because it's so close to so many things, and yet it's not the same as any one of them. Wow. I think that came from a Beatles song. <laughs> no, it, it, no, it's a, it, it's Chrome OS. Yes. And um, it, it, it has ties to a great many different other technologies and is sort of a standalone thing. And I think that's why so many people are confused about it, because... It seems like a whole bunch of different stuff, but it is its own standalone operating system for yeah. computers. Yeah, this is um, 
there are a lot of reasons why this is a confusing topic for some people. Uh, now, a lot of our listeners have probably been following the development of Chrome OS over the last, uh, well, more than a year now, mm-hmm. because uh, Google initially announced Chrome OS back in 2009. Yes, July 7th, 2009, by my reckoning. Yes, that is, uh, that's the date I have on this blog post where they call it, th- that was titled, Introducing the Google Chrome OS. Uh, so yeah, uh, Google announced this back in 2009, mm-hmm. and then essentially the message was that this was going to be a cloud-based operating system. Mm-hmm. It was meant for computers, yes, and that we would start seeing it uh, on machines in around the end of 2010. Yes. Now, as we record this, it is the very end of 2010, and indeed we have seen the first computer with this operating system. Uh, Loaded in as its native OS, uh, but it's, the program itself is still very much in beta mode, which to Google, you know, kind of par for the course, really. True. Google is True. king of the beta. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think it's safe to say um, that I still only I'm speaking for myself personally. I think there there is uh, there are some details out there about what Chrome OS is supposed to be. And I think they're pretty accurate based on the the bits that they've released. But I'm not sure that we know uh, all the details enough to be definitive about some parts of it. Like, um, I think I think a lot of the information that's out there still is more marketing material than it is uh, hard and fast numbers. Right. And there are people out there right now who are using Chrome OS because mm-hmm. as part of the pilot program, Google shipped out um, – they shipped out notebooks, computer notebooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the technical name for it is the CR-48. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are people who applied to be in this pilot program, and Google sent some of them these machines with the intent, you know, they specifically said, use these machines as your primary machine. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the only reason we, we're sending this to you is so that you can really give it a test and we can see, make sure we iron bugs out and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't do them any good if you just, you know, use that like once in a while. Yeah. So they wanted testers who could use it as their primary machine as much as possible. Um, it's interesting. It's actually Chrome OS. You might hear people talk about how Google takes a sort of open approach to their operating systems, Chrome OS technically is not really an open system. It's based upon source code from Chromium OS, which is the open system. Yes, that actually reminds me of Mac OS X, mm-hmm. which is based upon BSD, but which is an open source system. Right. But again, uh, Mac OS X itself is closed. I mean, it's it's Apple. We kind of expect that from yeah. Apple. But um, yeah, it's it's basically a derivative uh, of that is a derivative of BSD or it builds on BSD and is its own operating system and that's similar to what the uh, Chrome OS is. Yeah. Um, also, it's uh, it's related to Linux. Yes. The Chromium OS is, um, and uh, it's important to note too that it is not. Android, which is Google's operating system for uh, mobile, mobile devices. devices. Yeah, this this is another point that becomes really confusing for people who aren't really following the story. Right. Uh, because you've got the Android platform, which is just now really starting to get some some uh, identity in the market. Mm-hmm. Right. There are people who know what Android is um, because of all the different commercials for various uh, phones, as well as the tablet devices like yes. the Galaxy Tab. Mm-hmm. 
So people know what Android is, and they think of that as the Google operating system. So right. why would Google come out with the Chrome operating system? I've, I've actually heard a lot of tech journalists say that this is you know, a bad idea to come out with a separate operating system just for notebook computers. Mm-hmm. What I think is funny is that that's what other companies are doing already. Yes. I guess what they're saying is they thought that maybe the era of separate operating systems is slowly coming to an end, and we are going to see a – get ready for it, guys – convergence <laughs> emerge where we see the same operating system used across an entire variety of gadgets from computers all the way down to cell phones. Yes. We're not there yet. So perhaps what people thought was that Google would just lead the way and create an operating system that would go across this entire range of hardware. Mm-hmm. And that way you didn't have to wait for things to converge. Google would just kind of lead the way that would like like some generation of android maybe two or three generations down the line would be robust enough to be a cloud-based operating system for a computer mm-hmm. uh, that's not what's happened and google has essentially said the same thing that other companies have said which is that mobile devices and computers are two separate things right now and uh while we may be heading toward convergence we're not there yet right so it's it's weird for me to hear people criticize Google for making this decision when other companies have been doing this. I mean, you brought up Apple. Right. Apple has the Mac OS. Yes. That's for their computer systems. Then it has iOS, which is for their mobile systems, which mm-hmm. includes the iPad. And, of course, Microsoft has Windows 7 and Windows Mobile 7, which phone are... Phone 7. Windows I'm Phone sorry, I'm 7. I'm sorry. You're right. Well, it was at one point. Yeah, Windows Mobile. I think I think they only got up to 6 for Windows Mobile. Yes. But then they went to Windows Phone 7. So, I'm sorry. Yes, Windows Phone 7, which, again, the 7 makes it confusing to some people. Oh, because, sure. Because, you know, people are thinking, you know, oh, Windows 7, I know what that is. Yeah, but just Windows right Phone over. 7 is different. Now... Uh, I would say that all three of them have done a pretty good job making their mobile operating system and their computer operating system look pretty similar. Uh, I should say that the Chrome OS I haven't really seen, but the Chrome OS does use the Chrome web browser that is out for Windows, Mac, and Linux. Right. Um, as it's one of its major underpinnings because so much of what you do with the Chrome OS or will do with the Chrome OS is done in the cloud. And we should probably talk about that. Too. Yeah. Um, so the idea here is it's actually a pretty simple one. And we've talked about it in the past about cloud computing. Chrome OS. Many times. Yeah. Chrome OS is a specific approach to cloud computing. The idea here is that your computer would be a very thin client. It would not need to be particularly powerful in any way because all it would really need to do is run this operating system, and then the applications would really just be kind of links to online services. So let's say that you want to use a word processing program. You could use something like Google Docs, where the you know you, you have a, an interface that you use on your computer, but the documents, the word processing, uh, the actual the actual program exists on another computer, a server. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, actually, it'll it'll exist on several because of redundancy issues. Right. Redundancy is very important in cloud computing because, of course, if one server goes down and there's no redundancy, you've just lost lots of customer data, and customers don't tend to like that very much. No, not really. They seem to be um, down on the whole, you just lost all my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, angle. They don't like that. So the idea here is that you would have these applications that you would really just have kind of a window to those by, you know, clicking on a little icon. 
and it would open up the interface, but the application itself and all the data therein would exist on uh, other machines. And um, there's some kind of great applications for this, because that means that you aren't tied to a specific machine. Mm-hmm. Your information would all be tied to your account, your Google account in this case. Yes. So theoretically, you could go to any other device that's running the Chrome OS, log in as yourself using your Google profile, and then have access to all your information. Mm-hmm. And then when you logged out, you wouldn't have to worry about that information sticking around the computer because it's not living in that computer anyway. True. It's living on computers potentially thousands of miles away. Yeah, there's a, one of the reasons Google is doing this, at least according to uh, the uh, Google Chrome OS website, which I would encourage you to uh, to go to. It's it's um they do a lot of explaining in very simple terms, uh, you know, for the non-techie related person, which is good because you know that pretty much describes me in some ways. Um, the, you know, it's it's very uh, user friendly. Uh, information about what the Chrome OS is supposed to be. And uh, one of the things they want to achieve is they want it to be very, very thin. They don't, when they boot up a laptop that has Chrome OS on it, they said they want it to be something along the lines of seven seconds. Yeah. Uh, you're not loading a lot of information uh, in the computer like you would with other operating systems. They want it to be basically the internet. And everything else is there. They don't want you to have a lot, have to worry about things like updates where you have to deal with regular updates. This all happens automatically, uh, theoretically without you knowing that it's going on. Uh, again, haven't had the opportunity to try it myself. Right. Uh, another thing they don't want you to have to mess with is drivers. Um, Google print, uh, is supposed, or cloud print is supposed to take care of printing for you. But you know, if, if you have a, uh, if you have a particular type of printer, you might have to download a driver for your Windows or Mac or Linux uh, computer in order to have it, you know, be able to communicate with that device. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you buy a new printer or if you take your laptop to work and you want to print on the office printer, which is a completely different kind of printer, you have to deal with that. Well, theoretically, the, the cloud print service is supposed to help you take care of that. And they want they don't want you to have to deal with all the little bits and pieces of a traditional operating system. And indeed, um, you know, we actually have an article about uh, about this on the site written by uh, Nathan Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, one of my other writers. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, based on his research, he found that uh, Windows 7 takes up to 60 times the disk space of Google's Chrome OS. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. That's millions a, that's a... and millions of lines of code yes. in Windows 7. Now, of course... Windows 7 will also let you use Windows programs, uh, uh, you know, current Windows programs as well as uh, software developed in the past in a lot of instances. I mean, it can do a whole lot of things, but it's it's designed for a desktop or a laptop with a robust processor and a hard drive and possibly disk drives and things. The Google OS isn't really supposed to support all of that. They Google seems to intend it specifically for uh mobile computers la- uh laptops and netbooks yeah. primarily and they only and are this is another departure i thought was fascinating they only are installing it in an OEM basis uh oh, yes, original yes. original equipment manufacturer if you hear computer people talk about that that's what they mean it's installed at the factory you don't download it if you want if you have a computer now and are waiting for google cloud uh, or the uh, chrome os to come out and because you wanted to download it and try it out 
they say they're not going to do that. They're right. only going to pre-install it on machines yes. before they leave the factory. Yeah, and uh, I mean, in a way, you can kind of understand that approach. I mean, for one thing, we're we're talking about a, a an approach to computing that not everyone's going to be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, gaming is a big issue for some people. They say, well, if sure. I have a cloud-based computer, then that really limits what I can do as far as gaming is concerned. And um, I'm sure Google would say, yeah, this really wasn't intended for that. I mean, you could still play all the casual games that you find online, um, you know, like the Flash-based games and stuff. And you could use other services to uh, stream games to your, your device, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, it's, it's, it does limit you as far as that goes. It also limits you, like you were saying, the kind of software you can use. Now, again, Google could argue that using web-based applications, ultimately, the, uh, the opportunities are limitless, mm-hmm. right? That you, you would have way more choice and, uh, and at a variety of price levels of various applications to do the things you need to do, and you wouldn't have to you know, download anything, you would essentially purchase it, the little icon would pop up on your screen, and then just by clicking it, you would go to the cloud-based service. Yes. Um, that's a, uh, that's pretty enticing to me, at least for at least for a secondary computer. I'm, I don't know that I could use it as my primary machine. Um, well, first of all, it would have to have applications that were, con- uh, that were uh, compatible with the stuff that we do here in the office. Um, and in some cases, that's just not going to happen. I'd have to have a I'd have to have a machine with a with more powerful native capabilities and an uh, operating system that was computer based, not cloud based. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, uh, but I, I should point out. I feel compelled to point out. Um, you might think that uh, you know, with a new OS, uh, well, it's Linux based, so of course there are, there are many, many, many Linux based apps, open source um, and otherwise. Uh, but Google also has a, a, a its own web store, too, for uh, uh, applications that you might run on the Google OS. So don't think that uh, it would be, um, uh, you know, less likely to have a breadth of software. And of course, if it succeeds, more people will develop for it. Right. There will be people who are willing to give it a try. Certainly, um, it, I don't know how compatible it is with traditional Linux applications. There may be a lot of them. Again, things like uh, image processing like GIMP or Inkscape uh, might be too much for an operating system like this, and it would have to be stored in the cloud again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that goes. But it, does, it, it doesn't seem like uh, hardcore gamers or people who are doing a lot of um, high-end Digital editing, video editing, audio editing, people like that. Yeah, it's not really the machine for them. It's not really going to be useful for them. But uh, for people who are doing uh, day-to-day productivity stuff, especially stuff that you can do online, it is intended to be an online operating system after all. Um, I think think it it may end up being useful and certainly affordable. Yeah, the online operating system is another really important part. We we kind of just assumed that when we started talking about this, but that, that is something we should mention. Uh, since this is cloud-based and all these applications are essentially tied to the web, mm-hmm. uh, you have to have an internet connection in order for this computer to actually be useful. It's funny you would mention that. So, I found out something I did not know about the Chrome OS. What's that? In, in doing research for this, because I had heard some of this uh, material, but uh, uh, Chrome notebooks are actually going to have data plans from Verizon Wireless. Yes. 
Up to um, 100 megabytes of free 3G data every month. For two years. 100 megabytes it's, it's is free. not that much. Um, but, but then again... These these computers are supposed to have both Wi-Fi and 3G, so it's not like 3G is the only way you get data. True. Like you know, for most people, I think Wi-Fi would be the primary way they would get data. What's, so it, as long as you were someplace where there was a Wi-Fi hotspot, you'd be good to go. And when you're somewhere where there's not a Wi-Fi hotspot, then hopefully you'd be able to access a 3G data network. Yeah. Plus, well, I mean, Wi-Fi is faster even than 3G. Um, but yes, if you want a, a limitless day pass. Uh, you'd be paying nine ninety nine per day for yeah. 3G access uh, or Verizon access. I don't know. Maybe it's 4G by next year, and depending on when this all launches. Um, if you want an additional one gigabyte of information uh, per month, it's twenty dollars. Three gigabytes would be thirty five dollars, and five gigabytes additional would be fifty dollars per month. So that's pretty hefty. If you plan on doing a lot of computing on the road, maybe for business. That would be worth it because you could probably get reimbursed for that. But if this is for personal use, that may not be uh, that may not be the best option for you. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you're able to click in on Wi-Fi networks, like if you've got Wi-Fi hotspots, or you know, you're mainly using this around your home or office, uh, it's not that's not going to be an issue. You can just use the Wi-Fi to get access to the data, and you don't have to worry about incurring fees. You know, going over your cap, unless of course your ISP has a a, a cap. Mm-hmm. For your um, just your regular internet usage, right? Some some uh, ISPs do, and some of the caps are, I don't know, relatively. It depends on who upon whom you ask. Um, I've heard one person say a 250 gigabyte uh, cap per month is low. Yeah, and for me, 250 gigabytes is more than enough. But then she was specifically talking about being able to back up a full computer hard drive to the cloud yeah. like you wouldn't be able to do that more than once a month if it were you know a really big hard drive and you were using a cloud-based uh, backup system then huh. you could only do it once or maybe not even once depending on the size of your hard drive now i can't imagine doing that um but then it's because i don't tend to use the online uh, data services for backing up my hard drive it's funny you would say that because i would think with the with google's reputation of uh, massive redundancy. Mm-hmm. And by redundancy, if you're not familiar with that term, we mean uh, Google servers have lots and lots of other servers with the same information on them. So if one of them breaks, basically Google is losing nothing because it's been the company backs up its own equipment. So I would mm-hmm. imagine that if you had an account and had uh, Google Chrome OS on your operating system, your information would all be backed up automatically by Google. And that is one of the things that they have uh have said that um, they're they're very strong on privacy. Um, they're very concerned with uh, encrypting your information while it's on their servers um, and sandboxing, uh, basically uh, keeping viruses at in in a uh, uh, quarantine quarantined environment uh, in order to prevent them from infecting the machines and infecting your information. Um, you know, to the point where it becomes. Uh, um, corrupted, mm-hmm. prevent anything from happening to it. Um, you know, they are, they are talking those points up. So I would imagine it would be pretty safe. The, the thing is, cloud computing has a long-running stigma for a lot of people that uh, because that information is on, you know, a computer or even multiple computers out there somewhere where 
they don't know where it is, it concerns them that someone could break in and, and gain access to that information, possibly copy it, uh, sell it to people for for money and, and uh, who knows what all else. Yeah. I and mean, you've got your sensitive information on there. Um, yes, the company, I, I'm sure, will do its best to protect that information, but it still uh, causes people concern. And I think that's why you see Google saying, hey, look, it's all encrypted. It's all safe. It's all backed up. You know, no, nothing to worry about here. Yeah, the... It's a, it's a, there are two sides to that story. One side is that companies, big companies like Google, will be able to afford and design much tighter security measures than your average user is going to have access to. And most, I'm going to say most users don't, aren't nearly as secure as they need to be. You know, they, they have poor password protection. A lot of them are using open networks. Although I'm seeing fewer cases of that now. I'm seeing more people actually secure their wireless networks, which is yeah. nice. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, it's just that people don't tend to practice very strong security measures. So you can say, well, Google's going to use state-of-the-art security. So that's a good thing. Yes. However, Google's also a huge company. And therefore, by virtue of being a big company, is a big target. Yes, it is. Each individual user out there using the the internet is not a huge target. Now that that you could still fall prey to scams or phishing attempts that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not most of us don't have a target on our backs. You know, we aren't walking around with with hackers looking to get access specifically to our machine. Right. They want access to machines, they don't care who it happens to be, right? Yeah. So you could argue well Google's Better protected, but it's also a more tempting target. So you got to weigh both of those things against one another. And then you say, well, are Google's security measures going to be strong enough so that it doesn't matter that Google's a bigger target? Um, or, you know, it also depends on what you use your computer for. Mm-hmm. If you're not using your computer to do a lot of sensitive information kind of stuff, like if you're not doing a lot of online shopping or online banking, um, if you're not, uh, you know, posting secret messages to that gal you like who happens to be dating the really huge football player and you don't want the football player finding out about it, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're not doing any of that, then maybe these aren't even concerns for you. Yeah. But if you do tend to put, uh, like if you do tend to shop online or mm-hmm. you do online banking or you do, you know, you, you, you do things like you manage benefits or medical records or anything like that online. Yeah. It, it becomes a concern. Yeah. Um, there are other concerns, too. I mean, like, there's always the concern of, well, if I lose connection to the Internet for some reason, mm-hmm. then I lose all access to all my data. Yeah. So let's say that uh, there's some massive failure in Wi-Fi and 3G service, which at this point you're thinking, well, I probably have other things to worry about. Mm-hmm. But if, if there were such a problem... Uh, then you would not be able to access your information anymore unless you were able to store at least some of it locally to your computer. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you had your own computer, assuming that you still had power, you'd be able to access that. I don't know that what good it's going to do you at that point with you know the world apparently coming to an end around you, at least digitally speaking. <laughs> but um, it's one of those things that people they they kind of react to this mm-hmm. idea of well there could something could go wrong and I would no longer be able to get to the things that are mine. Yeah. Um, and it, part of that, I think, is also just a sense of ownership. Like, when when your data rests on someone else's machine, it almost feels like you don't own it. Yeah, you it's know? true. So it, it becomes – and 
depending upon the way <laughs> service agreements are worded, sometimes you don't own that, at least, you know, if those agreements were to hold up in court. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really seen that play out to any extent, like someone com- challenging a, a, uh, a, a website or service saying, okay, well, I know I uploaded my photos to your site, but that doesn't mean you own them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'd have to see that kind of played out all the way through to find out, you know, what the courts have to say about that. Right. But I mean, these are those issues around cloud computing. It's existed since cloud computing really started up as an idea, mm-hmm. and uh, they have not really all been resolved yet. It's still, I, I would say, cloud computing is still a pretty young concept. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny too. Uh, when we started talking about this, I, I started thinking specifically about. Uh, Google's competition unwittingly helping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would say probably most people aren't really aware that there is a Google Chrome OS. Um, you know, I think it's out there, but because it hasn't actually been released, um, it's not really on a lot of people's radar. Now, Microsoft has currently has a uh, cloud um, ad campaign going on right now, talking about the benefits of cloud computing and how you can use Windows to access information that is stored in the cloud. And I think it's kind of funny because right now, Google's uh, marketing legwork is all being done by its uh, arguably biggest competition. Um, Because once Microsoft educates people about this, when Google's Chrome OS is released, um, Google is not going to have nearly as much work to do explaining to to the layman what uh, cloud computing is and the benefits of using it. They're going to be able to say, this is cloud computing Google style, and, and you know, you've already, you already know what this is. Now, here's how we do it, and it's going to be faster and better with the Chrome OS. Mm. And I, I, th- I started thinking about, it, wow, you know, I, this is completely coincidental, I guess, because Microsoft wouldn't necessarily want to promote Google's new operating system, but this has come out in the last month or two, the ads that I've seen right uh, here late in, in 2010. So I thought about that and thought, you know what, that's that's kind of ironic, and I wonder if they're going to be regretting having taught people what uh, the cloud is. Now, on the other hand, they've got a head start yeah. um, you know, for using uh, cloud computing as a, a marketing tool, but uh, I don't think it's going to take Google much longer to get uh, the Chrome OS out the door, and we'll see what happens then. Yeah, it's interesting because um, one other thing I wanted to mention something uh, something that published just recently, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, anyway. Yeah, was um, an interview on Business Insider with uh, Paul Buchheit, and I have no idea mm-hmm. if I said his last name correctly or not. B u c h h e i t. Yeah, he was a, an early employee of Google. Yeah, he was one of the first twenty five employees, I think, something along those lines. He was also the guy who was essentially behind Gmail. Aha, uh-huh. that was his big project, and he left Google. Um, he worked with Facebook for a while, then left that. But uh, he had some interesting things to say about Google recently to Business Insider, and one mm-hmm. of the things he said was he expected Chrome OS to fail. Yeah. And he attributed that not to any inherent flaw with Chrome OS, but rather because the Android operating system has gathered so much steam that it's that's going to, to cannibalize the Chrome OS operating system. Right. And people are going to say, well, sort of the question we made at the very beginning, why should I get Chrome OS when Android is already out there? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, they are they are designed for different devices. There are people who think that uh, Mac OS X and iOS are going to merge. Um, and I think there are some similarities there, but I think there is a benefit to keeping them separate, as we were talking about before, because yeah. the iOS will run on devices that just simply cannot run the Mac OS, and the Mac OS is far more robust and supports a, a far greater range of applications um, than the iOS can ever support, but it, it needs a faster and more heavy-duty processor to operate. And that would be... Uh, that would be sort of similar to this situation, but the Chrome OS isn't really designed to run on, uh, you know, a desktop uh, heavy-duty machine. Right. A pro-level machine. Well, and and not all the apps on Android are cloud-based either. A lot of them yeah. exist on top of the hardware of the actual handheld device. So, sure. So it's not exactly the same approach as Chrome no. OS in the first place. And... I, I'm not sure that the Android experience would translate well to a computer, um, like a like a laptop or no, or netbook or anything like that. It's it's meant for a different kind of uh, of computing. Yeah, and I think you know Apple's really proven uh, that there are two different ways to use these kind of devices, and I mm-hmm. I say that because of the success of the iPad. Yes, because. Steve Jobs recognized that there there's a mobile way of browsing the internet and using a computing device that is a lot different from the computer approach, which I would argue is why there are, you know, the, why the iPad uses iOS instead of a version of macOS. Right. Because mm-hmm. it it you know it's designed to do computing in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if the Chrome OS is going to make an impact. I mean, it's early days yet. The beta program just launched. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, um, I actually applied for it. Mm-hmm. I have not received my CR48 yet. <laughs> um, actually, I have no idea if they would even pick me. Uh, I would love to get my hands on one just to try it out and you know yeah. see see exactly you know what I can do and what I can't do. Yeah, and um, and really take it for a spin. Plus, I think that the uh, it's kind of got a, a an appealing bare bones design to that laptop. Right, and, and that's one of the other elements that we didn't really address here, um, but we can we can just mention it very quickly before we yeah. wrap up. One of the reasons why a cloud-based operating system may be really attractive mm-hmm. is that you don't have to have such advanced hardware, so you can have cheaper computers. Yeah, because you know you don't have to have a computer capable of running a really you know processor-heavy operating system. Yeah, so you don't need the most advanced processor. You don't need all those. Uh, you know, if it, your processor is not going to be running super hot, you're not going to need great ventilation and fans. I mean, you start to really cut down on the costs for the the devices. Yes, which can, in theory, make computing even cheaper. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, and another thing that uh, that I wanted to address really quickly is, and, and that we didn't really cover, the the whole thing. It's really strange. It's Linux based, but everything runs. Essentially, out of the Chrome browser, the Chrome browser is a building block of the Chrome OS, and I'm still interested to see. Uh, again, if you were accepted to the program, the beta program, I would like to see how you're supposed to run other applications on that platform. If everything runs essentially through the the uh, Chrome browser, uh, how other applications factor into that. And I'm used to things like. Uh, Google Docs or Aviary or, you know, Photoshop.com, things that you can do where there are applications, but they are essentially on the web already. Mm-hmm. If you're installing, theoretically installing 
uh, other applications into your Chrome OS experience. How does that work exactly? Do you do you go to a website or does it run alongside the browser? I'm I'm interested to see how that works. It's it's uh, difficult for me to understand without actually having my uh, an opportunity to try it out for myself. And yeah. I think a lot of our our listeners would probably agree it's it's kind of a different concept and it might require a hands-on approach to really get it. I'm pretty sure a few of them already have this computer actually based well, upon emails that I've received. Well, they need to tell us what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You guys got to hook hook us up. <laughs> you know, we we do not have the bat line directly into Google headquarters. Yes, commissioner. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that was a couple of years ago when we had that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Except that it all communicated in high-pitched squeaks beyond the range of human hearing. That was a little irritating. But yeah. beyond that, it was awesome. And they expected us to know what was going on. Like, you're going to have to slow down and speak Man, in a lower voice. They need to start listening to our podcast more often, and they would know we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's wrap this up. This was another fun episode. If you guys have any suggestions for topics or you want to chime in on a discussion about Chrome OS and cloud computing, let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can shoot us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 